0: Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode.
1: Hello, everybody. We are so glad that you joined us today, and however you're listening, whether it's podcast, live radio, internet, whatever it is, we are just grateful that you're there because we know that you're interested in all things To have a new life, to have transformation in your life. Um, Today, we're going to have Mark Cameron and Dr. Alice Benton joining us. And you know, I know Alice, you always got 50 million things going through your mind, always thinking about things, but what would you like to share with us today?
2: Well, I, I want to speak particularly to our parents who are listening, but this applies to everyone, because if you're worried about your children being vulnerable to addiction, I'm going to share with you one of the most powerful ways to safeguard your home from being vulnerable to the risk of addiction. And screen addiction is one of the, the highest rising, most quickly increasing addictions of our time. And so we should be concerned about it. But there's very specific action that we can take to help protect our children against this. And really, research shows that about one in four of us is already at the level of problematic screen use, which is just one step underneath addictive screen use. So this applies to all of us and as i work with families to help loosen that grip of screen addiction i find that as parents learn how to feel and deal with their emotions they learn it they practice it themselves and then they teach and model it to their children the home environment becomes safe enough to come off screen when there's high intensity in a home digital escape is one of the routes kids take in order to feel safe from the parental intensity in the home. And so parents, as we do our own work, and as we learn how to manage our own messy emotions, it makes it more inviting for children to live off screen more of the time. Digital coping, can be really effective short term. But what we see long term is that when we're on screen for hours and hours per day, our cortisol levels stay really high Depression increases, anxiety increases, and people report that they feel more afraid to engage with other humans face to face. They want to do it all on screen, by text, by telehealth, um, because by uh, video conferencing, because we're not used to engaging with each other face to face. So it, it hamstrings us emotionally. Learning how to manage our emotions is one of the strongest interventions to help children come off screen.
1: Wow, that's a word we have not heard before digital coping. Man, Mark, what would you say about that digital coping? Yeah, no,
3: I love what Alice is saying here. And, you know, it's important for us to recognize that kids learn most through modeling, they learn most through watching what we are doing as parents. And I think sometimes as parents, we can get stuck in um, thinking that we've already given them. The rules, or we've already given them the device, and so we can't really take it back. But we have something called parental prerogative where you can go back to your kids and you can say, Hey, you know what? I've made a mistake and I owe you an apology. I allowed you to do this, but I realized that this is not healthy for mm-hmm. you. And since I've realized that, I'm going to be making the changes myself, but I'm also going to be having you make those changes too. Um, Now, and kids listen up very, very well, especially when we go to kids and we say, we need to confess something to them. Their ears prick up and they're listening. And that modeling, even if you get defensiveness, even if you get resistance at first, that modeling um, sinks deep, deep down.
2: And Steve and I have unpacked how to do this in our book, Understanding and Loving Your Child in a Screen-Saturated World.
1: Well, and I was thinking, Alice, about your book. You know, if you're an adult, and you don't have children who you're dealing with this you still would benefit from reading this book because we are using digital coping it's just um, listen you changed my thoughts about that it just is amazing how much we turn to those screens and you know what you're missing all of life in front of you if you need help we'll help you with that we'll send you a copy of Alice's book Why don't you put your phone down for just a minute? Well, well, maybe don't put it down while you're listening to us. Maybe later. No, I'm just teasing. We'll be back taking calls after this.
4: To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live.
1: Welcome back. I, I just, you're going to make me think about that for a while, Alice, and we'll be real mindful about our screens for the rest, at least for the rest of the hour. Um, we're going to go to our calls, and we're going to talk with Marsha, who's calling us from Los Angeles, listens on the internet, even though I know we are dogging the internet right now, but listen, new life is changing lives, so listen on the internet, too, if you have to. Marsha, how can we help you today?
5: Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Really quick uh, question. A couple that is married, they both are remarried, and now they're married to each other. After reading the Bible, um, they discover that they shouldn't have remarried, but, and they should have gone back and reconciled with their own, their original spouses. Are they living in an adulterous state, and if so, should they just get a divorce?
2: Mm. Marcia, do you that know is, why okay. the original divorces took place?
5: Um,
2: no, I don't know. I I ask because there are uh, two ways in which the Bible says divorce is, is not desirable for us because it creates so many problems, additional problems and pain. But it is permissible in two situations. It's permissible if our spouse has been unfaithful and is unwilling to reconcile, to change, to clean up. It's also permissible if there has been abandonment by an unbelieving spouse. And so in those circumstances, there's biblical permission. God still says it's not his best for us, but there is a biblical allowance, I would say, an allowance for divorce. Um, She's not sure if he
5: committed adultery or not.
1: Well, Marsha, here's the thing, though. I don't know that adding to the problem by divorcing again and thinking that you're going to get back to the previous partner, I think that could be uh, a challenge as well. But, Mark, what would you say about this situation?
3: Yeah, so I, I think God wants us to be able to live in relationship with each other, and he outlines— um, rules and guidelines and standards for us to live in relationship with each other. But if we get so stuck in the rules that we look past relationship we're missing what God's best is for us. And so we've, we've heard this question here before mm-hmm. and um, if you follow it by the letter of the law here it could get really complicated because what if somebody is now remarried and they've got kids should they then break up that family and go back to the spouse that they had 20 years ago because they've just had this New insight. I don't think that's really what Jesus was saying in that moment. Jesus was really protecting women um, when he said, "The Lord God hates divorce." Moses allowed you to do that, but I, I, I say to you, you know, do not divorce. Stay together. He, Jesus was protecting women in that moment because men could go ahead and divorce their wives if um, for frivolous things, if they didn't like what they made them for dinner, or, or something like that. And women were second-class citizens at that time. They couldn't just go ahead and remarries somebody else because nobody would likely take them and it's not like they could go out and and have jobs and earn money and be independent like they can now so jesus was actually protecting women when he made that statement there and so yeah i I, I think it's it's a good good thing to think about here but i i wouldn't think that the most loving thing to do in in this moment now is is to break this new vow that they've created
5: yeah, she's not trying to go back to the old um, husband. She, she just doesn't want the Lord to look at her as if she is in an adulterous state because she did not go back to her previous husband.
3: Well, and that's the message of the gospel here, right? That's the reason why Jesus came, to free us, not so that we could be bound by the law, but so that we could be free from our sin. And so once we've confessed that we've, we've sinned and we accept Jesus, and then that blood covers us now.
2: So, Marsha, there are steps that your friend can take to address the sins that she has committed. And that's certainly by confessing, which it sounds like she's doing with you. And it's looking for what what repair work might God be nudging her to do. So she might confess to her ex-husband, gosh, the way I went about this was all wrong and I hurt you. And, and I, I can hear about it. You can tell me how I hurt you by the way I handled our divorce. If there were children involved, there's repair work to do there. And uh, in, in some extreme cases, people do decide, gosh, I, I, by living in this remarriage, I think I am committing adultery. My conscience just won't let me rest with that. Uh, but I'd be really cautious about how to manage it, and I would probably do some counseling sessions first. I'd talk with my pastor first, because if we're compelled to act, to divorce again, um, or we're just living with that high level of guilt, it it probably comes from an additional source apart from the Word. The Word should convict us, and we should look at, okay, how do I have to change my behavior because I'm not living within God's will? But we also have to differentiate between unhealthy guilt that might come from a person in our lives who is criticizing us for what we've done, but that's not necessarily gospel truth. And so I I would cautiously look at all these different angles to figure out what is God asking of your friend to do the repair work that she can at this point.
1: I love that. And Marcia, one last thing. I want to encourage you to encourage them to work on their marriage. And they may not even be having difficulties in their marriage right now. But like you were just talking about, Alice, that false guilt can infect this current union. Mm -hmm. And we want this union to be very strong. And so, you know, I hope that that gives you some clarity. We're going to send you a copy of How We Love. You know, we talk about this, um, you know, a lot because like you said, Mark, we get this question a lot. People will get stuck on those rules and overlook the bigger picture. And God wants us to find redemption and life in our lives. And so I'm hoping that that will help you. Well,
3: and then just one final thought here too, even when you think about the union, right? When when we make our marriage vows, we make this covenant to the other person in front of God. And so yes. if you were to then break that marriage, now you're breaking another covenant, the new covenant uh, to God.
1: Right. Right. We hope that helps you, Marsha. You're a good friend for calling Mm -hmm. in, and uh, if your friend needs a counselor to help in this situation, we've got counselors in your area that we can connect you with. We are going to go to our caller, uh, Kay, who's calling us from Dallas, listens on SiriusXM. Hi, Kay. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hi
5: there. Uh, Many thanks for taking my calls today. I am... uh, the classic um kid mm-hmm. from the seventies and eighties. Uh, my parents uh, were divorced when I was four and I have two, well I have three siblings that are 10 years plus uh, older than, than myself. And I am beginning to have uh, massive issues, uh, emotional issues mm-hmm. with depression, anxiety, Uh, And and actual uh, recognition of abandonment, which uh, I find it intriguing that I'm just now understanding and realizing that I experienced abandonment. (laughs) And I'm not exactly sure why. I think I matured very slowly uh, as a a child. But all of that said, um, there was a lot of time spent at the home alone. Uh, The television was my security, Um, and so now that I am uh, all these many years uh, married, and my husband is now driving, and he's gone a lot Mm -hmm. on the road, and what has happened is this has really triggered Mm -hmm. me, uh, in addition to a couple of other things. I've got some medical issues going on, but... uh, I'm triggered by uh, the time that he is away from our home, and I'm also a, I'm just completely alone again because children are out of the house, living their lives, and I'm very grateful. And I'm very blessed. Uh, I am a Christian, but I am absolutely struggling. Um, mm. So, all that said, uh, I I need help. And I'm struggling to know who to go to. I'm having major issues with trust like never before, like never before.
2: I would imagine that you might not have gotten professional help previously because you're just now becoming aware of these emotions inside you. Is that right?
5: I've tried getting help often once through the years many reasons, Uh, but it always comes back to depression, anxiety, and I'm just now cognizant of the fact that I literally did, uh, or or actually was impacted by abandonment, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering how is it possible for me to have never understood that before? I've had people ask me in the past. With different therapists and and counselors, do you feel do you feel abandoned? And I would look at them with a a strange look on my face and say, "Abandoned? No, I was never abandoned." (laughs) But now, all of a sudden, I'm beginning to realize that yes, I was. I was absolutely abandoned. And um, I I picked up on some of the conversation earlier in the show. uh, There was talk about. Being able to watch parents and you know, observe their behaviors, things like that. And I'm realizing I didn't get to do that. There was no observation of anything, there was no family life for
2: me. Our, our heart and souls are so complex and our emotions do strange things. And sometimes to survive the pain in childhood, we repress the feelings and busy ourselves. So there was probably digital coping going on for you, even though you didn't know to call it that where maybe your time on screen, as it does, it helps us to escape the emotions we were feeling. And then life got busy with school and marriage and children. But now that the environment is so similar to what it was like as a child, those old emotions are now coming to the surface. And I find that God God tries to compel us and invite us to do some of the old work with the current pain that we feel because he he wants to redeem even our past. And so the strange unexpected feelings that are coming up, um, it makes so much sense you're feeling it now as your husband is gone, your home is empty. And so it's an invitation to process this pain you're aware of now, but it's probably been in your body all this
1: time. Mark, how would how would you? Yeah,
3: address? so Kay, we all have blind spots. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in the subconscious and then in, in the up- unconscious, and and sometimes other people can see those things in our lives. And it sounds like others were able to see that in you, and they were able to to ask you that question. Hey, do you, have you ever felt abandoned? Because they could notice something, and and in that moment, you you couldn't see it, um, but now something major has happened. Um, and your husband's not actually leaving you, he's not actually abandoning you, but now it's got so big, now now your kids have have gone and they're out of the house, it's become so evident that there's this feeling of loss and abandonment that's happening for you. And so now the scales have dropped from your eyes and you're able to mm-hmm. see it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think now you can go into therapy with, mm-hmm. with really a new lens on this. And so anxiety and depression, those are flowing from this underlying wounding. And so some therapists will deal with um, the thing that's on the surface. They'll teach you what we might call coping skills. And and coping skills aren't bad to deal with depression and anxiety. Um, But until we deal with the underlying thing, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the root, we may continue to have those things just on a lower level. And so now I think that you can go into seeking professional help by letting that person take a historic view of what's happened to you. So I recommend going to see somebody who does take an attachment-based approach where you can start to tell your story and process through your story. And as you do that, you might find that your therapist then – with your new lens that you have going on will start to point things out and you'll start to make these connections like, oh, yeah, that did happen to me. Oh, yeah, that happens to me right now. Because I find that people who have abandonments, they have a lot of perceived abandonments that happen Mm -hmm. in the present, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, your husband leaving to go on his job. But it also could be somebody turning their back to you or not looking up when you go to the counter at at a store that you start to feel this abandonment and this rejection. And so as you develop something called the observing self, that piece of us that uh, is able to kind of start to ask these questions, what am I feeling? Where does that come from? Why did that just happen? As you develop that piece of you, that observing self, you'll start to be able to see what's happening and then you'll be able to learn how to cope with that in the moment.
1: I love that. Kay, we're going to send you a copy of How We Love, which will talk about some of the things that Mark is mentioning. But also, I want to invite you to join us at Emotional Freedom Online, March 16th, because I think group work mm-hmm. could be a mm-hmm. very powerful thing Good in idea. this experience of just uncovering. And, you know, there's a lot of grief that comes up when we look back at our childhood, but we can resolve that and live full and free into the future. We're so glad that you called. Kay. We'll be back after this.
4: We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live.
1: Welcome back. I'm trying to... (laughs) We're going to go back to Kay for just a minute because we weren't done because there's always more to the story. And um, so, Kay, uh, you had a question that you wanted to follow up on.
5: Yes, I did. Uh, I uh, was... um It was suggested to me by a psychiatrist to try TMS or transcranial magnetic stimulation. And uh, several treatments in, I began to develop a very strong sense of anger. And in addition to that, just absolute rage. And I've heard of this... um, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, it's it's uh, disassoci- uh, not disassociation, but um, dysregulation in your head. And I I don't know in terms of my left and right brain and how that TMS may have um, created this this rage within me and caused me to be dysregulated. I don't know. Um, I just thought that this is an interesting piece that you might want to know
2: about. Okay, I, I have heard of that surprising anger coming up with folks that have gone through this form of treatment. And as you know, but for the folks listening, it's when an electromagnetic pulse is sent to particular parts of the brain. And it's to kind of revive activity when activity is low in those parts of the brain. And, and there are two things to consider. It may have been an, an unintended byproduct of the treatment. But but what I have found is that it's often revealing an anger within you that has actually been suppressed. And so you may very well have had anger that you weren't connected with, you weren't aware of, didn't know how to manage or wasn't safe to feel it. So it may be an, an anger that was already there. That it's just being revealed to you because those parts of your brain are kind of being brought back to life when the brain can shut those parts down again to survive. So what what we would recommend you do is you've got to take this trust issue into counseling, which is the hardest place to take it because you reason not to trust counseling because of what you experienced before. And so I'd have you start with that as a primary issue, and even interview the, our counselors that we'll recommend for you. Interview them ahead of time to say, listen, I. I'm coming in already not trusting treatment because you have to work through those therapy um, um, interfering symptoms in order for therapy to be helpful for you. So you got a tough road ahead, but it is doable and you can have breakthrough. You have to not give up even when you don't trust the counseling that you're receiving.
1: I love that Mark, do you have anything else? Yeah to add? yeah,
3: I was just going to affirm what Alice was saying. I had a client and and the same thing happened to her, uh, and of course, the person who was doing the TMS, a psychologist recommended that she talk through the anger in therapy with me, and that was and, and it really was just part of what was happening in the treatment and what was coming up and so that that's what I recommend for you is is to talk with your, the provider about what is happening with you and then to to bring that into talk therapy mm-hmm. um, with, with the counselor.
1: Yeah, it's a very common occurrence that we tell people all the time about your therapeutic experience. You are able to say to the therapist, these kind of things bug me or I'm expecting this or this has been my experience before. And it's so helpful to the therapist um, to hear what your experience or what you're expecting because it gives us insight into how you are dealing with whatever you're bringing into the room, and uh, or taking home with you. So we're glad that you um, explored that even further with SK, and uh, we're grateful that you called. We're going to go back to the calls, and we're going to talk with Jessica, who's calling us from Oklahoma City, watches us on YouTube, and we're grateful for our YouTube family. Subscribe there and hit that like button. It helps other people know about us. Jessica, how can we help you today?
6: hi thank you so much for uh taking my call um i'm going to start out by telling you that i'm uh, really kind of in 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 shock and feel kind of stuck um i've been married for 10 years and three weeks ago my husband uh, came to me and said that he no longer wanted to be married and he just left and i haven't heard from him and i'm not really sure what to do next you know i want my marriage i want to say that I wish he would talk to me but right now he's not answering
1: Hmm. and And I don't know what to do. Um, Jessica is there anybody in his family who have you've talked to or you've checked in with I mean it's just really kind of frightening that he would just take off and there's no communication.
6: Um, I could call his mom, but I'm just embarrassed. Like, what What do I say? Like, I don't want to have to explain it. You know, he, he left and he's not calling. And so I could call her and I've thought about it, but I just feel so embarrassed. And
1: I, I'm just in shock in some way. Mm. Mm. That's so sad. Mark, how would you um, help Jessica with this?
3: Yeah. So, Jessica, you had no indication whatsoever when um, when this happened.
6: No, there's been just minor things that come up, regular mm-hmm. things that you go through in your marriage, miscommunications, but n- no idea that he would just want to leave.
3: So, so you came home one day and he was gone, or or he told you that he was leaving and then packed up his stuff.
6: He told me he was leaving mm-hmm. and then left.
3: Okay. And then one one more quick question. Is your husband depressed? Does he seem down?
6: Um, recently, he, uh, you know, when I look back, he was down a little bit, but nothing where I thought he would just leave. Nothing mm-hmm.
3: at all that I can think of. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're coming up against a break here, and we're going to get back with you um, just after that.
1: Yes, we are. We're grateful that you called, Jessica. It's very upsetting when these things happen to us. How can we move forward? We will get some answers after this break.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call one 800 new life. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope, and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now, let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places.
4: glad you joined us for new life live to be a part of the program call one 800 229 now back to new life live
1: welcome back uh, just a reminder that a new episode of the every man's battle podcast dropped today you can get it wherever you get your podcast um, we're just grateful that uh jj west and doug burns host that program and it's so insightful for so many reasons um We are talking with Jessica right now, and it's a very upsetting Mm -hmm. situation. Her husband of 10 years left, and um, it's pretty overwhelming because she hasn't heard from him, doesn't know what to do. And, uh, so Mark, you had asked, uh, some really good questions, but let's go back into the
3: comments. Yeah. So Jessica, I was, I was asking you about if your husband seemed down or depressed, because I wanted to rule that out. Cause there's two things that I find when people just kind of drop off the face of the map. It's one, if that person's, uh, in a, in a highly depressed state and they just can't cope anymore and they want to end their lives. But for somebody to, re- uh, to leave a relationship with, with little to no indication, I'm wondering if your husband might be having an affair. Um, And that's typically why men might want to cut something off and go to the new thing. And and I know that might be very, very difficult Mm -hmm. for you to hear. Um, But you're only going to find that out um, by starting to do a little bit of investigation, by um, reaching out to friends, um, reaching out to his family members, um, letting them know what's going on and starting to ask some of those questions.
2: Jessica, you had said you'd be too embarrassed Mm -hmm. to contact his mom makes complete sense that you don't want to tell anybody about this, so i 'm amazed at your courage talking with us and mm-hmm. and that probably has to be primary of getting in contact with people who are there in your life with whom you can bypass your embarrassment because girl you need you need some social support mm-hmm. around you, you need a sisterhood to circle the wagons around you because this is devastating on so many different levels. And so getting connected with people you feel safe enough with to reveal what's going on, your heart and soul need that. And I want to add a couple of things to this idea of self-protection, but I want to check in with you to see how you're doing so far with what you're hearing from us.
6: Um, it just seems like, you know, a lot. I, I'm just wondering, what do you, it kind of seems overwhelming. What do I even say when I reach out? Hey, my, my husband just left me. I mean, I don't even know what to say.
2: You gotta decide with whom you feel safe enough to be honest first, so identify that person. And a mother in law may not be the person to start with. So you you gotta you gotta start with somebody who's probably a little bit safer to you and more accessible, might be a girlfriend, might be a sister, so that you can practice revealing. And yes, I think you, you brutally honestly share with them, my husband has left, I don't know why, I don't know what's happened. And it's by oh, this awful step of practicing, revealing what you're going through that you'll be able to get the emotional and the spiritual support that you desperately will need right now. You probably also need to take a couple of steps. I'm going to try to break this down to make it as simple as possible. Um, financially, you got to protect yourself because we don't know what your husband is doing. We don't know how he's spending your combined money. So you, you you might need to make a, a phone call, not might, you do, you need to make a phone call to an attorney to find out what your legal, what your financial rights are, and how to start that process to protect yourself, to protect your, your assets. And and then let us connect you with uh, emotional support, with a professional, with a counselor who can then help you walk through these steps. Because, of course, what we're telling you, it probably feels impossible to do what we're suggesting but it will be necessary for your self-protection. As Mark was identifying some of the reasons why a person leaves so abruptly, I'd I'd have to add substance use in there too. And th- and there are some mental health disorders where um, very surprising spontaneous behavior happens, such as bipolar disorder, where a person all of a sudden goes into a state where they make big awful decisions that they would never make in a stable state of mind. So all of these might be reasons for you to consider, because if you if you if you you know see the clues of what we're suggesting, that also helps you to then decide how to protect yourself. And
3: I think in terms of you're asking particularly about what language to use, I think you just use the language that you're using with us. Sometimes it's not about overthinking it. It's about just saying the thoughts that are in your head. And so the thoughts that you just gave us here were, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not even really sure where to start here. And then you just say, this is the situation, and I don't know what to do from here. And sometimes just saying those things, the other person then will either respond to that in an empathetic way, or they'll start to ask more questions to draw you out. But I think what the key thing, what Alice is saying is find somebody who's going to be safe for you to do that.
1: Yeah, um, Jessica, we are going to send you a copy of emotional freedom, which I think can help with this process. But I also want to get you connected with a therapist because these conversations that are really hard for you to have with people in your life could be had with a therapist. And and you can kind of practice that way Um, to have a, you know, to have shame and guilt about something that someone else has done is displaced, right? It's, it's getting confused with a lot of the feelings that you're having about maybe whatever was going on in the relationship. And it's it's tough, it is, we, we feel the pain that you have. We also know that it's not a place that you wanna land. Alice? And on
2: a logistical level, Becky, I, I would also suggest, Jessica, that you check your husband's social media to see, is he still active? It, it, is, he, is he still alive? Is he still talking to people? That that would be one way to do it. If you have a location on his phone, I would check that. Because he, he told you what was happening, but it's so hard to believe, given his historical behavior. And I hate to make these f- further suggestions, but we had a family member go missing. We didn't have a warning beforehand um, when I was younger. And we we made calls. We made a call to the police to report a missing person because we didn't know. Did they really leave on their own terms or are they in a state of psychological distress and they're in danger? We called the police. We called local hospitals. We called the jails to find the person that was missing. We ended up finding them. They were alive. Thank God. Um, But these are just practical steps to take to try to figure out what state of mind and body is your husband in right now and my goodness Jessica we will be praying for you and your family
1: yes we we sure will we sure will we're so grateful that you called you know we've been doing this for a long time um, and uh, Steve has been on sabbatical we've missed him but his wisdom continues to inspire us Uh, Terry let's roll that new life moment
7: I'm Steve Arterburn with A New Life Moment. God is always our first and primary audience for confession, but He isn't our only audience. Scripture tells us also to confess our sins to fellow believers. This is an extremely important and beneficial aspect of spiritual growth and health if conducted wisely. First, let me say that this type of confession isn't an all-encompassing command. That is, it isn't spilling your guts to anyone and everyone nosy enough to listen. Never confess to anyone who isn't spiritually mature. Second, confession to fellow believers is an act of trust, and this makes you highly vulnerable. The person to whom you confess must be able to keep your confession confidential. If you can't trust your confidant, you shouldn't be confident with him. To be of value, confession must be honest and complete. You must feel safe in your selection of a confidant. Need help thinking through what to look for in a confidant for confession? Visit me, Steve Arterburn, at NewLife.com, and thanks for listening to this New Life Moment.
1: That's a perfect follow-up of wisdom after Mm -hmm. hearing from Jessica because it is such an important part of that um, to choose a confidant, to be able to trust them and not trust everybody. And I know um, it's funny because, Alice, you talk about confession all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about just the, the process of how it does help us move in our lives. But finding those trusted advisors or friends, I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's the wisdom of many that can help us, but it's, it's really can be difficult when we're in a vulnerable place like what Jessica was in. But I love what Steve had suggested there.
2: Well, when we make confessions to people that uh, we're not being discerning about the person we're talking to and they're not trustworthy, it, it can be very disastrous and hurtful. And we've heard from so many folks who have said, well, it doesn't work. Confessing, telling my story, it doesn't work. It actually made things worse. And that can be true if we're not picky about the person that we're revealing our heart and our vulnerability to. We have to be very cautious.
1: That's so true. Uh, You know, but we wanna encourage you to not be isolated and to find that connection with people. And it may be like I had suggested for Jessica, maybe you start with a professional therapist. Maybe that's where you start and you start to practice. What does that look like? But also we encourage people to be part of group all the time. Whether it is a 12-step group or one of our life recovery groups that, you know, we do 12 steps there, but we also have them for codependency and all kinds of things where we just are learning the power of connection. I I know a lot of people get a little freaked out when they think about um, whether it is group Bible study or a counseling group, but boy, I tell you, over and over again, we hear from folks who have participated in those groups, the power of that group has changed their lives. And we have many, many ways for you to connect with people uh, in in life's hardest places because we want you to find that experience of connection and growth and healing, transformation. That's what we're all about. And,
3: and sometimes, Becky, a group is one of the safest places to share because if everybody's got something to confess, you're all holding each other's confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, and so that's where some of the trust can be rebuilt in others, too, in that environment.
1: It's so true. If you want to be part of a group, give us a call at New Life, 1-800-NEW-LIFE, and we'll get you connected with one. If you've been to one of our intensives, join us in one of our Sustained Healing, Sustained Victory groups. It'll change your life.
4: To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live.
1: Welcome back. You know, um, we really want you to experience transformation. That's why we do our intensives. That's why we have our resources, our articles, our tip sheets, our counselors, our coaches. I could, you know, list them all. But the bottom line is that we're here for you. We want you to know that you have good resources that are both biblically sound and psychologically sound. We want to help you get there. And so, you know, we have discounts for our Club New Life members. If you want to be part of Club New Life, it's ongoing support. Um, (laughs) We suggest that we want you to be part of that. Um, But also, if you have not yet attended an intensive, but you've been thinking about it, call us and just get curious about it. Mm -hmm. You never know how that will change your life. Um, We've been doing this for 35 years, and that's why we can bring you our uh, flashback calls. And today we've got one uh, from Rhonda. So let's listen in.
8: Let's talk to Rhonda from Stewart's Draft, Virginia. How How do you say that?
9: That's right. It's Stuart Straff.
8: Okay. Well, hey, thanks for calling us. Thanks for listening.
9: Hi. I'm glad you took my call. Um, My son is um, 14. Yeah. And um, for the last seven months, he's been at a boys' school um, for actually some juvenile behaviors and um, has been diagnosed with ODD and some mild ADHD, but... I guess my question is, today um, I got a a call from the school, and he had some sexual acting out behaviors with another boy there. Um, My understanding is my son was the one who initiated, and I think it had been going on for maybe like three weeks intermittently, and he did own up to it but um i guess my question is at, at his age is it kind of normal for an adolescent boy to experiment in that way uh, especially with boys you know or people of his own sex
8: and how old is he
9: he's 14
8: 14 well of course experimentation is normal i mean a lot of it's normal because a lot of kids do it the Sorry. the question though now that uh, pornography is involved with this, the question would be: a fourteen year old boy looking at and was it uh, same sex pornography? Do you know?
9: You know, no, no. Actually, the, the it was boy to boy. There was no um, no pornography, pornography. Oh, okay. involved. All right.
8: Well, a fourteen um, year old. We don't
9: have like computer at home or okay. TV or any of that stuff, and so. He really, as far as I know, unless he's been to another friend's house or something, yeah. but okay. I guess it was well. Here's sexual the answer: experima- experimentation between the, him. It, and yes, boy.
8: a lot of fourteen-year-olds experiment with some homosexual behavior, and it just goes away. And it was just something that happened. But the question oh, you have to determine okay. whether or not this was that, or it was the beginning of something. If it, you know, a lot of times when we think of a fourteen-year-old. In actuality, emotionally, maybe they're at a 16-year-old stage. So it really depends on the child. And if I were you, uh, I would probably want to get him a little bit of uh, counseling, maybe with you or, or whatever, because I just would hate to, to assume it was just all innocent and everything, when in reality this is something he's really struggling with, and you'd want to know that I- early on and um, get involved and, and get, you know, Get to work on it.
9: When the school that he's currently attending, Mm -hmm. the boys program, there is a gentleman there who does individual counseling with boys about, you know, sexual identity and things like that.
8: Well, I think that would be great if he, um, I mean, he's much going to be able to determine if this is a problem or not much better than we are over radio.
9: I see. But I I can't
8: answer the question that, you know, yes, that frequently happens and it doesn't Uh, develop into anything problematic but you just don't know what it really is what it means until you or someone else gets close and finds out so i hope that that's helpful to you i'm going to send you every young man's battle and there is a a section in there on what if you're attracted to someone of the same sex and i think that that could be hopefully it will be helpful to you.
1: You know, it's so problematic when we have the way that she described her son. He was already had a history Mm -hmm. of some challenges. And so the behavior, which is concerning to her, um, you know, it does have to be addressed like Steve was talking about. Mark or Alice, what would you add to that? This question is becoming more and more pertinent
2: with things that are taking place in our culture. Because in the name of tolerance and acceptance and loving well. I think that a a sexual agenda is being promoted to our children, that it is good to experiment and that you should be open to the fact that you might be, you might have heterosexual desires and that that's okay, that's good, you should test them out. Um, I'm I'm seeing evidence of this being promoted, not just we should be tolerant and loving of one another, but actually go ahead and try, try all this out to figure out what you like best. It's in sex education material, some of which is even um, mandated by certain states here in California. There's a mandated sex education that promotes this and and teaches children to experiment with all different sorts of sexual behavior. Um, It's going into a lot of our graphic novels that are being made available to our elementary school kids, our middle school children, and it is hard to find out which books are safe and clean and which ones are LGBTQ friendly, which I think often, end up promoting rather than just teaching tolerance and acceptance and lastly in a lot of children's cartoons children are being taught this is an option and you can sure try it if you want to Well,
3: and I I think what can be confusing for kids, too, is the fact of being confused is often celebrated in society Mm -hmm. without actually giving um, any kind of direction to it. And so we kind of leave kids out there um, (laughs) in the ocean uh, and and we're on the side in a lifeboat. And instead of pulling them in, we just kind of throw them a life ring and say, "Okay, just keep yourself afloat here. But when we feel confused, we need clarity. We need to be able to talk that out with somebody to be able to uh, figure out where are some of those desires coming from. Um, And and we need safe places to do that with. And so I, I would say if you have a kid who's confused, Lead them somewhere where they can get some clarity
2: and ask your children regularly what they're learning what they're thinking about, and ask direct questions regarding mm-hmm. sex what What are you hearing about? Are kids at school talking about masturbation? Are they talking mm-hmm. about homosexuality what's going on in your in your peer group and checking on all this material and content that I was listing out, we parents have to be wary and be so involved in our children's life so that we're both teaching what are our faith standards and we're finding out how are our children being influenced.
3: And, and not, just, think... not just lectures, sorry, Becky, not just lectures. It's asking good questions yes. to draw them out because if you're just talking and your kid's silent, probably not a lot is They're getting in. you out. So, exactly. And it's through the thoughtful questions that you ask is how you'll draw them out and find out more information to help lead them in a, in a good and safe direction.
1: A good plan will precede the questions Mm -hmm. where you're actually teaching them about feelings, thoughts, Mm -hmm. behaviors, what's typical in sexual development. And Mm -hmm. those don't have to be lectures. Those can be five minutes here, 10 minutes there. And then ask the questions. It's a constant conversation. Mm -hmm. In this situation, you know, you have an acting out situation where a child is in a restricted environment because of previous behavior. So it's complex. It's all of the things that you guys are talking about and more. Um, but, you know, as we're raising people, because they are people, they I know they start as children, but they're people. They have thoughts. They have feelings. Mm-hmm. They have um, desires that are all part of God's design for them. And we can speak directly into how God sees them and how he loves them. And you know, it's, it's amazing what he does in our lives. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, listeners. We will see you next time. If you need anything, call us 1-800-NEW-LIFE. We are there for you. We appreciate you being here.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you'd take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, We have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.